Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Notre Dame hammers Iowa State 33-9 in the Camping World Bowl in Orlando. Not exactly what we expected based upon a lot of the stuff we had seen of Iowa State and the uncertainty about just where Notre Dame's head was, but it was it was in the right place. And all the credit in the world for uh, Brian Kelly, the coaching staff, the team was ready to play in every aspect. I guess they were three for 13 on third down, but they came up with many ways to... Negative. They, they kept one negative. Uh, oh, and Jay Bramlett wasn't at his best, but otherwise that was a dominant football team out there. They, they played like they had something to prove. They played like they belonged in the Orange Bowl. They played like winning 11 games this year was important. They played like a team that didn't want to hear about they might might not be prepared to play in this game. And they were dominant, uh, both sides of the football. I mean, would it have been so hard for Brian Kelly just to say, you're welcome? Or <laughs> that so like, to the yeah. media? Like, <laughs> it's like we were the ones that provided them all this negative ammo that they, apparently they used and turned into this fireball of fury against Iowa State. But, uh, I mean, I was still working on my game story in the press box and got a text from somebody on staff that should, just said, focused enough for you? Um, so they, they clearly were aware of what was being written and said about their willingness to be in that game or interest to be in the game. And I'm mean, I got to give them all the credit in the world because, I mean, look, Iowa State had those two turnovers early before Notre Dame really even got into gear. Uh, Ian Book had a couple near interceptions that, that could have made the game close, but I mean, it felt like one of those games where if the if we were in quarter 12 of that game, Iowa State would still be sitting on nine points. Um, I thought Clark Lee was phenomenal. Iowa State had no offensive line to keep Brock Purdy healthy and upright. He got knocked out of the game, sacked three times, uh, run all over the field. Uh, I thought Iowa State had a couple players that looked okay, like they fit on the field with Pet what, way. Pet way looked yeah, good. with what Notre Dame had only like, on the offensive side. Yeah, <laughs> two offensive players, the running back and the re- and the receiver. That was it. Uh, and then Notre Dame just embarrassed them from there on out. It's, um, I think, when you marry that with Brian Kelly's commentary on Thursday about recruiting more and like moving up an echelon there. You can see what that does because when you have somebody like Chase Claypool out there, who's the best player on the field by far, or Jeremiah Usu-Cormo, best field, best player on the field on that side of the ball, I think by a wide margin, you can get away with maybe not being totally locked in. You can get away with a late curfew um, and still house a team that's not as good as you. So that's um, I, I like what this said about where Notre Dame was this week. But I really am interested in more so about where Notre Dame might be going if Brian Kelly looks at his program now and says, all right, I like the way we are developing talent, but let's get out and develop better talent. That's that's when the world opens up for you if you're Notre Dame. Yeah, of all, of all people in the world, not to quote on a podcast, was Doug Gottlieb when he mentioned, you know, Iowa State has the motivation, but there's some serious Jimmys and Joes going on Ooh, out there that's yeah. putting them down. And Brian Kelly mentioned of Iowa State, the thing he liked about their team the most in that awkward 
always awkward. I'm not, I'm not saying this one was particularly awkward. Always awkward dual coach press conference on the day before the game. They have traits that trump their talent. But boy, did Notre Dame's talent trump Iowa State's traits. And listen, we mentioned Chase Claypool, by far the best player on one side of the ball, and Jeremiah Usu-Koromoa. You could list nine of the next ten on defense, then be a Notre Dame. Ian Book. We, we didn't get to talk to him because, you know, he's a starting quarterback for Notre Dame that played Captain. a flawless game. Captain with two fourth-quarter conversions. Tony Brooke, Tony Jones, best game of his career. These guys, they came to play. Uh, we had myriad reports from many people saying that they did not want to, or they were disinterested in the kind of the proceedings. They've, and I said on the message board, maybe they will flip the switch. They flipped the switch because uh, other than a three and out to start the game, which I'm sure sent Twitter and the message board... <laughs> A fire before the punt could land and be muffed, or not be muffed, with Alohi Gilman stripping the ball. A great play by Gilman. It was not a muff. I should not have said that. Uh, I think people were probably wondering what was going on, but that was the last moment where you figured, hey, you know what? Iowa State's really coming to play today. And then it was, then it was all Notre Dame. Yeah, Tom, Tommy Reese was condemned early. Uh, and, it, and it was, quite frankly, it was a little bit unusual. <laughs> it was a bad um, play calling those first three plays, it, wasn't it? it? <laughs> it, it, it I mean, it kind of was, yeah. but, but they got together. Hey, you know, Okay, so which players on Iowa State's defense would play for Notre Dame? Their nose tackle, or their nose guard. Yeah, but he wouldn't play over. He would rotate. He would rotate. He would rotate. Right, right, MTA. right. Yeah. right. Yeah. That was the matchup to watch. Was their nose guard versus Jarrett Patterson, the redshirt freshman, versus the emotional leader that Matt Campbell said makes him not only a better coach, but a better person. That was the quote yeah. about Ray Lima. Uh, Jarrett Patterson did a heck of a job. You know, Brett, Brees Hall, he's got, he has some ability. Yeah, he he snapped off that 23-yard run. But, I mean, other than that, he was hammered. And that's not that's not his fault. Uh, we saw Kyle Hamilton lining up against their tight end, Charlie Kohler, who's a good player. Well, you have he did seen nothing. that late in the year. It happened against Stanford, too. It was like, you have a tight end, huh? All right, well, it's third down, and we have a guy to guard tight ends. So <laughs> let's see what happens. They took him away. He's a good football player. He's six foot six. He's agile. He's, he's a good player. But, I mean, there, were, there was nothing there. And, um, yeah, Ian Book could have had a couple picks, certainly one. Uh, and, and probably a second one, but you know they, they had absolutely no answer for Chase Claypool, and we probably—I mean, I, why would we be surprised by it? We probably should have anticipated that a little bit more. All we could bring in all nine things, eight or nine things, Coach Campbell said that they did wrong. They needed all nine to go their way to be in the game. This isn't like oh, this—it's kind of like the Notre Dame Alabama thing where there was the fumbled punt. You know, I just could recover that punt. No, yeah. plus every other play that I almost went here. Notre Dame was that much better than Iowa State. Uh, the talent disparity was huge. It was actually kind of staggering man for man. I mean, I expected it with Claypool, Komet, Kyle Hamilton, when you get to those guys, and maybe Khalid Kareem and some other guys. But, boy, it was just like 22 for 22 talent disparity in this game. Hey, and Kareem got hurt, and he came back in the game. That's crazy. How about that? It was, I mean, that's. I think you get to that recruiting point. I mean, it felt, to me, it felt a lot like, the reverse of the Cotton Bowl last year. Worse, I thought. Where you look at <laughs> Notre Dame, Clemson, and yeah, you can say eight or nine plays, and technically, I guess that's true. But like pretty much every college football game can yeah. say that. Um, but when you're watching Justin Ross and T. Higgins and Travis Etienne, um, Isaiah Simmons run around that def- that defensive line. I mean, for Christ's sakes, like Notre Dame was that to Iowa State today. Mm. Um, they just, they did not have an answer. Like, I thought Chase Claypool would have a good game, but I didn't think he would look make Iowa State look like a high school team. I just thought I mean, he was, was the only one that would, rather than I mean, everybody that, else. That's like, and we can get into Reese here, maybe this is a good segue. It's like, I didn't come away from today having a good feel, or like, 
I'm not saying positive or negative. I didn't come away with a feel about like how Reese would call a game because throw it up to chase Claypool on broken play is not, it's, that's not really a play caller's play. It works. Um, they forced the ball to Claypool, which I liked, but you know, or the Ian book scramble on fourth and five uh, early in the game. That's not really a, a play call. Um, the Tony Jones 84 yard run was a really nice play yeah. call and very well executed, but I'm not sure if you did either of you guys come away from a day thinking like Reese did a great job, a good job, an okay job, or just like, I need to see more. Oh, I definitely need to see more. Absolutely. Because there was so, there was so many buttons to push. And I get maybe Brian Kelly hinted at that when he's like, you don't have to push every button. Yeah. Cause Brian Kelly, you like just, Priester, you asked, you asked him a follow-up on Reese and he, it was more of the, I don't want to get into. No, absolutely. Who he didn't want to coach well and who didn't right. and like what I liked, what I didn't, all that stuff. Well, and I, I also asked him when he realized his team was going to play well, huh. and he said Virginia Tech. I, of yeah, course, I was speaking cool. about, of course, I was speaking about the week, and he didn't want any part of that. That's fine. If you use his motivation, that's fine. If you don't want to believe that that's true, that's your prerogative. I, I mean, I personally never said Notre Dame wasn't going to win. I, I never said that they couldn't play well. Thing that with I had thirty one twenty ND and the thing that surprised me was that Iowa State, as Pete said, couldn't have gotten to twenty and nine quarters. I mean, it would have if they kept playing, Notre Dame just kept punting. It would have been a thirty three to fifteen final. With did two you more see the? Did points. you see the Louisiana? <laughs> field goals kicked. Did you see the Louisiana Tech Miami game? They're still playing, and Miami yeah. hasn't crossed the goal line yet. Yeah, it was a lot. It was a lot like that. Notre Dame, um, you know, again the two turnovers in the first quarter that was significant. It got them up ten to nothing. Uh, they finished the season at a plus 17, and Iowa State finishes the season at minus 3. You know, a lot of times, I mean, turnover margins, when you go into a game and you say a matchup, it doesn't always show itself. It's just one of those kind of stats where, you know, you can protect the football better on one day than the other, and you don't really know. But that was a significant advantage, and Notre Dame took advantage of it in the first quarter. Yeah, I thought that, um, you know, what kind of the, the turnover stuff, that's an identity that may – I'm sort of in the camp that like turnovers just are a little bit more random right. than coaches like to believe right. that they are. However, for 13 straight games, Notre Dame has been a good turnover force team and a good not commit turnover team. So I think that I'm probably need to backtrack from that. There's a, a excuse me. There's a hidden stat here that I don't know that people realize. Do you know how many fumbles opponents had against Notre Dame this year? I mean, just throw out a number. Not recovered. How many times the opponent fumbled against them this year? 13 times. 24. 33 Whoa. times. What? There were 33 fumbles. You can you can look it up on uh, uh, whatever that stat that I <laughs> The internet. I look at the internet. No, no, no. There's a specific <laughs> website that I use. But uh, 33 fumbles. Hmm. I'm shocked by this. I, I it, want, that's a great point because I want to say what, what Pete said. I also think turnovers can be random. Like a team can force sure. 23 in a year and then force nine the next year and only sure. lose two guys. Those tend to be I, cyclical. I think why Notre Dame force, why you can believe it with Notre Dame is they have a ball hawking defensive line that that's causes fumbles. The quarterbacks fumble and lose the ball more than anybody right. else. You have a ball hawking defensive line and you have a ball hawking pair of safeties in Alohi Gilman and Keith and Kyle Hamilton. And you have a guy that just finds the ball in Sean Crawford. So what you did is you have. The defensive line's at the biggest advantage for causing fumbles and causing chaos. And then you have guys that look for the football, and they're pretty good at it. I agree. Normally, you're like, hey, they could start. Like, 2002, they forced, whatever, 500 turnovers. And then 2003, with nine guys back, they forced 12. 
that's it, it. So that's a little weird, but the way they play on that defensive line and the way some of those secondary guys go after the ball, it's it's, it's no wonder they were able to force so many turnovers this year. And Ian Book protects it on the on the flip side. Yeah, and then I mean, I'm sure Clark Lee would say it's not an accident. I know Mike Elko didn't because I went to the football <laughs> right. clinic and he showed the different ways that you create fumbles based upon where the defender is in relation to the man with the football, whether it's this angle or that angle. If it's this angle, you you approach it this way. If it's that angle, you do it differently. Bobbiaco once said. No, seriously. Bobbiaco <laughs> once, they hadn't caused a turnover in his first four games or something, and he he kind of jumped in and said, did you see the three balls that were pirouetting in the air? Was the Michigan game? He goes, yeah. if we had given great effort, we recover some of those balls. So, I mean, they're, maybe they are giving great effort to get to the ball, and that is coach. Well, the that's, ball is yours to get. And that's why I say thirty. I mean, 33 fumbles. And you remember, I think, in the Louisville game, I think two of them were unforced, so there's some unforced fumbles in there. But 33 is a phenomenal number. Yeah. Going into today, UAB was second, and they were three, quote, forced fumbles behind Notre Dame. Wow, that's shocking. And yeah. Um, I don't know. What the, was there anything you took away from today that informs how you feel about where Notre Dame is going next year? Because, um, I mean, that's, that's always the story of bowl games. It's like some bowl games feel like the last game of the season they're in. Some bowl games feel like they're the first game of the season that follows. I, I'm conflicted about how to feel about this one. To me, it almost it almost feels more like neither than both. I feel more like neither as well. But if you tell me everyone is back that should, like book commit, yeah, there's no, there, I don't see another surprise. That doesn't seem like anybody else could. Gilman would be a we stunner to come back. To, so. I, we don't. Tony Jones. He doesn't. Inf- he doesn't inform me of next year, though. As much as he should come back and play football yeah, for Notre yeah. Dame, he doesn't change my next year's prediction. No, no, I, I get um, you. I get you. Yeah, I, I like uh, with Clark Lee there and the defensive players they have coming back, even without Gilman. I think they'll have another very good defense again next year. We lamented the loss of uh, Jameer Jones when he made his first tackle for a loss today because who would have thought we would be talking about that? Dude? I can't believe they knocked up Jameer Jones back next yeah. year. He, uh, I really like what they have coming back on D. Uh, you know, we believe Crawford's coming back, and Gilman's not. If Gilman does, as I've said, the sky is the limit for Kyle Hamilton because he doesn't have to mentally think of a single thing next season. He just go out there and intercept fifteen passes. <laughs> so I, I like the defense offensively. I mean, it's got to be Book and Komet to make them at their best. And then the offensive line today doesn't show me anything about the offensive line versus Wisconsin and Clemson. So I guess not. Um, you know, I mean, we've said it for several weeks now. We expect Ian Book to come back. I expect a a decision sooner rather than later on that. Um, you know, but we said a couple weeks ago when Brian Kelly said, you know, we're going to have a really good football team next year. He was, yeah, he clearly, he clearly had Ian Book as his quarterback in mind. And that's, um, you know, that's going to be hugely significant moving forward. Um, so Pete, were you both? You were you were more in the middle, not both or or neither. You were just. I think I'm. I don't know. It's like if Komet doesn't come back, then I'm kind of. It's a neither. Because um, your I, best guys are gone. Your yeah, your best, best guys. guys are gone. You sort of have to reboot some things, even though the staff is back. I do think there's some carryover with, um, just sort of like, like Notre Dame is sort of. Uh, I would describe them as, as serial winners now. Um, they've won 24 That's straight games. Yeah. 24 straight games against unranked opponents. Um, does it forgive or excuse losing to Georgia twice and Miami and Clemson or my, yeah, my, Miami and Clemson in the bowl game, Michigan? I don't mind two so of those. Those kinds yeah. of games, no, but they they feel like a mature sort of like known quantity that goes beyond the players on the roster. It's been going on too long to point it at 
well, it was Quentin Nelson, or it was Julian O'Quara, or it was a Logie Gilman. Like, I think there's just something fundamentally good about the program right now where they beat everybody that they should beat. Um, that should carry over whether somebody like Cole Komet comes back or not. I, I agree, but, you know, you do have to, and Matt Campbell was talking about with his team, you do have to kind of reconfigure the leadership of this team. I sure. mean, what Khalid Kareem meant to the defense and what Chase Claypool meant to the offense and what Alohi Gilman meant to the defense. and Dalen Elliott, too. He's Jay, a younger, yeah, unsung I mean, hero. Very, very, very much so. So, you know, I mean, you have to, coaches say it, and it's true. You have to redevelop that chemistry, and you don't really know until you get back into the into the next season. As far as, like, what it meant today or what, like, long-term, or I, I'm not even looking at it that way. They had they had an opportunity today, and they beat the crap out of Iowa State. <laughs> and that's, you know, and, and whatever they used as motivation, you know, what have you, they came to play, give Brian Kelly credit and his staff, I mean, it could have gone in a different direction, and like they they take it so personally. There are there are forty bowls every year. There are teams every year that sometimes don't want to be there. This was not one of them, and and all the credit in the world for that. And it's, I mean, it had all the markers of the team that comes out a little disinterested in what they're doing because you had they're coming off a playoff. This bowl is a big step down. No brand awareness of your opponent. Orlando that, for the second time in three years. That opponent is playing really the biggest bowl game in the history of the program against you. And then you have some coaching staff turnover. So pretty much every box that would make you think, eh, I better give you the side eye about where this might go was was checked for Notre Dame this year or, or, or this week. And, you know, for them to play through that and like, is was Notre Dame's effort as locked in as it would be if they were in the playoff? No, and Brian Kelly talked about that during the week that said, look, when, when we went to the playoff, we had a curfew every night. There wasn't a go out and sow your oats evening right when we get into town. But, like, there was for the Fiesta Bowl. We know that because yeah, they sowed their happened. oats and some had to leave because yeah. of those sown oats. Too many oats. So, I, you know, when Khalid Kareem after the game said, woof, practices are really tough this week, that told you what you really needed to know about they had they burned it at both ends this week, and that was totally fine against Iowa State in the Camping World Bowl. Um, I think where I got tripped up at least was thinking that it was too much um, that they wouldn't be able to sort of have it both ways a little bit down here. Because um, I mean, they can talk about enjoying playing with each other, enjoying being around each other, and you can do all that stuff. Like we can enjoy being around each other, recording a podcast, or drinking twelve beers. Like. It's fine. Like, you can do both of those things and enjoy being with the people that you're with. Had we planned better, we could have done both. I only have two, I, I and I'm down I one. Only, just, <laughs> I was like, I don't the other room. I'm not in my own room. All right. Where's uh, your beer fridge, Tim? Yeah. What's going on? I, I, still have, I still have too much to do in yeah. an early in a 4 a.m. wake-up call. But uh, Braden Lindsay kick returner, yes, please Keep that yeah, unless yeah. it's Chris Tyree. We're, we're still live by Brandon yeah. Lindsay kick returner. That's... Yeah, I mean it's a, he had a twenty nine yard return. That's one of the best returns of the year. I mean that was a, it, he was marvelous. I mean, like, look return. at that! Look at that! Oh god, it was yeah. twenty nine yards. Okay, well that's one of the best ones of the year. Now he looked good. I mean it's just there was a there was a burst, there was a decisiveness, there was confidence, and it's just better. And unless it's Chris Tyree, Brayden Lindsay should be, or or if Lindsay, you know, is having trouble staying healthy, and I get I get that part too, uh, because he's going to become even more significant as a receiver next year. Um, really liked the little bit that we saw of him. To Pete's point, Jeremiah Usu Koromo, I asked about him for the last question 
Um, I don't know if we can get if I could get this across in my in my notebook description of what we saw, but I asked Brian Kelly where has you know from beginning to end he dominated this game. Where has he grown? And Kareem with an exaggerated eye roll, as I said it next to Kelly, and Kelly tells you all you need to know. And Kelly saying, "Well, he's 15, he's only fifteen seconds. He gets there fifteen seconds before practice now, and he knows where to line up." So Jeremiah Usu Cormo earlier in the year was doing everything on talent alone, and the thought of what he can grow into, becoming a dedicated senior with two years of you know he he has a two year guy left if he wants to be, uh, that's really something for next year to look to because. That guy has remarkable physical traits, and uh, he's he's become very fun to watch. Just now realizing that apparently he's almost a a guy they joke about for his inability to be on time or to line up, and he's that good is remarkable. He tied for the team lead in tackles. He tied for the team lead in sacks, and he led the team in TFLs. Right, and so now let's see, can he grow? I mean, don't say the B word. I don't, want, I don't want it at all. You don't, I don't want, want it at all. all. Okay, you don't you don't want you don't want the you don't want the the most active athletic linebacker on your squad to be in the middle of the field. I want him to do what he's doing better than he's doing it now. Okay, plug a buck in there. Well, and I and I get what you're saying. I know. I get you, what you're but saying. But you can't. But you can't have. You can't have a buck that that is lacking. I just think you can find a buck. What. <laughs> I would and who would and who would you got to be open who are you to the find idea. So Paul Mawala, Paul Mawala is going to look anything like that at Rover in a twelve game span, no. like Jeremiah Rusu. No, he won't. He won't. But Paul Mawala won't look anything like that at Buck either. No, I'm not. Jack not, Lamb, can you get you get anyone to play no, that maybe. position? No, maybe. No, you mean, know what? Like, you're right. You're right because we sat we for month after month after month. As for Bilal, we we <laughs> lamented how the linebackers weren't going to develop or weren't developing. And look, we're not making that stuff up. It was true. The coaching staff. Did, after the Louisville game, they did not know whether Asmar Bilal could remain a starter on their defense. Brian Kelly said it. So, but ultimately, I don't I don't care who lines up at linebacker. Like, Owusu Karmora will be in one spot. Drew White will be at Mike. And they'll find somebody else for the other one. Yeah. And Clark Lee will coach him, so it will work out. That is the now, key to the whole thing. Now, that Clark it, Lee's coaching. It is. He'll, he'll develop him. And, Tim, you're right. I mean, I, I get it. Let him... He you know, especially people. He can, he I, no, no, you're right. You're right. And off, and off the edge, the the threat off the edge, and the ability to to cover. Yeah, I get that. I, I do get that. I tend to agree with what Pete's saying here, though. That you know, those two guys are going to be out there and find a third guy, and I'm sure they'll make the right decision as to who that third guy is. I, mean, I think overall, defensively, as you spin this forward, you've got four starter quality guys back on the line with Hayes coming. Yep. returning for a fifth year. Iwusu Kormo and Drew White, Paul Moala flashed some stuff. They still have high hopes for Shane Simon or Jack Lamb. One of those guys needs to click. And in the secondary, if Isaiah Pryor is kind of what they hope and expect he, he will be with Houston Griffith being your third safety, and then you got Sean Crawford and Tariq Bracey, like, that has the makings of yeah. another really good defense that should be holding teams to 14 points yeah. or less most most weekends. Plus all the guys we're not talking about now, because that's what became this year's team. Drew yeah. White, Asmar Bilal. I mean, guys that you just didn't believe could play bigger roles. Even going back to, like, Kurt Heinisch was better than we thought he would be this year. He didn't need that much help. He got the amount of snaps from a true freshman he needed. It wasn't like, man, they'd just be so much better if they could replace Heinisch. There was none of that. I mean, Jacob Lacey will be better. Jason Adamiola is another Jason. Jason. I mean, he's like had a few more. Like it, Clark Lee, I think, gets 
the most out of what he has. But I think they also have a pretty good group of guys coming back next year to work with. Bosky coming, you know, online a little bit more. Obviously, Hamilton is going to make a huge, huge jump. Man, when spring practice start? (laughs) Because I want to see it. I, you know, I mean, with the performance today and closing with six straight wins by an average margin of. 28 points per game. It was nice that Brian Kelly noticed that I they did, did not move yeah. up in the polls due to that. I thought that was like, well. I like that better than the shots. And, it, and, the, ti- and the timing was, you know, he probably, he didn't need to say, the, the timing was right to say it. I mean, and he's, if I were him, I'd, I would think the same thing. Well, I, that was, I get that was that. weird. It was weird. They didn't move at all. I mean, it's, I can see you not moving after two I mean, were they, were they, due, really, but... were they really punished for the Michigan game? I think they were. I mean, to that, to that extent, I think they were. And, and that's, I would that's, punish them by keeping them out of the playoffs, but I wouldn't punish them any other any other way. I mean, that's yeah. weird, you know. Yeah, like if they lost by forty five to fourteen to Michigan as their only loss, I would be a playoff committee voter and say that team is not in the playoffs. I'm sorry, but I wouldn't think they couldn't be number six or seven or eight. You know, that's just weird. They couldn't move up the fifteen line. Well, they're going to move up now. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't have the list in front of me and who's won, who's lost, who's going to win, who they could get over Michigan now, unless you think Michigan's going to beat Alabama. <laughs> Well, you mean with four losses, they won't still be ahead of Notre Dame with two? I think that's a, the uh, the two loss two <laughs> loss rule is invoked yes. at that point. You can you could be ahead of somebody you lost to. Yeah, if there's a two no, loss I get difference. it. No, I get it, especially when it was so significant. Uh, I get that. But um, what else? What I mean, you know, who like you talked about Tim like surprises and guys moving up. I'm not sure that they. You know, they don't need as many to surprise next year. But guys but, like Ogofu, who we saw getting in the game today, you know, for yeah, real reps. I, I, meant, I meant as starters, but yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 No, they don't have as many they need as starters, but, I mean, the depth is the key. That's why somebody asked me what the key to Notre Dame's defense was this year. I said, well, the third-string defensive end was just as good as anybody else. Like, that doesn't matter for right. this particular game, but it sure did matter all year, right? And Jameer Jones was a top-12 player on Yeah, their, their backup defensive yeah. ends, I think, will be outstanding next year, whether it's Ogufu or the... Justin Amiola or probably Isaiah Foskey. Yeah. Um, that's a going to be a very very talented group. Uh, who uh, uh, the offensive line? You have you have six. You really have six starters returning. You have nothing but high hopes. I but I stand by today. Didn't mean much for me with the offensive line. They should. I'm with you. Though. They're always able to beat Iowa State up. No, this this. Oh yeah, no, I'm not. I'm, I'm just State, saying yeah. that in general, not anything. Right. Right. Today they really didn't. You know, I I, I know you. I know it all counts, but if you do, t- you know, I mean, there were there were a total of uh, thirty-seven rushes and thirty-six of them. They averaged, you know, three point something per carry. The eighty-four yarder sways that, and it counts, and it's huge, and it first play of the second half. But it was like last year. Only it wasn't Dexter Williams. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was Tony Jones. I mean, it looked like Josh rushes. Adams to me. Yeah, the really, style of run to the right. left. It really was a great run because he did. He did. He didn't outrun the guy, but he outran him most of the length of the field, and then he got physical with and him. And he really like, wanted to score. It was another reminder of he the really personnel did. that Iowa State had or did not have on defense because, like, Tony Jones didn't get any faster in the bowl prep. You know, he's he's a very efficient back mm-hmm. when you when you can block it up for him. Yeah. But uh, he shouldn't be able to run away. He's not going to run away from Clemson, LSU, <laughs> uh, Ohio State, et cetera. But he ran away from Iowa State, which is just a reminder. Like Notre Dame had a lot more personnel, and they did a hell of a lot better job with that personnel. I, I, f- I feel like I, you know, like I did the film review too early in the process because I came out of that saying, 
man, this Iowa State defense doesn't have enough athletes. And then, it, it, I, you know, then other things. <laughs> they did not. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> no, I, I know, but he I feel like. You forgot. <laughs> I, yeah, I, mean, I feel like I didn't emphasize it enough coming up to the game. And I and I and it was something like the first week after uh, after the announcement that I was all over it. And then I just kind of drifted away and other things came into play. But I think to kind of put a bow on the offensive line, what I was saying is we're at the point now where Notre Dame fans and maybe uh, maybe media only want to judge them on the three games as opposed to the 13 because they're just supposed to be better than everybody else. In other words, well, yeah, but they stunk against Michigan and Georgia, so who cares? Like, the other games matter, but they are so good now as a team, as a program, as you guys are pointing out, if you're going to win 10, 12, 11, that it's just accentuated if you have a very bad game, which they have in five of the six losses, right? If I don't think they had a very bad game in that Stanford loss. That was kind of a giveaway day, but... When you have games where you're overwhelmed and you lose, the offensive line is going to be pointed out. And they're never going to have a bad day against the likes of Iowa State, right? All right, so I know we talked about this. Pete, you and I talked about the other day before Tim got here. And and, and, like, and, I, and I know a lot of people are, because they like to wallow in misery, have, uh, you know, they're convinced that Tom, Tommy Reese is going to be the offensive coordinator. I... I'm not convinced of that. I don't, I don't, I'm not convinced of that. I think that he will be at least the co-coordinator. I think that it was the smart move to do. Um, I think you got to bring in some fresh ideas for what, where you are offensively uh, to push things forward. I also think that Reese is a incredibly valuable asset to your staff, right. uh, both as a coach and a, and a good recruiter. I don't, I'm not going to put him in a, a chip long Tony Alford group in terms of recruiters, but I think he's a, Huge plus to that operation. Um, I don't know what they're going to do, though. I don't. I don't. I wish I had some names to spit out on this podcast about these are the proven guys that I would look at or they should go after. I'm not really sure where they're going to go because it's a complicated position. Because very rarely will you bring in an offense coordinator who does not coach quarterbacks, right. and I don't know what else Reese would coach. So no, you do, do, I think he should coach quarterbacks. Does that leave? And he has the connection with Ian Book is so good. Does that lead you to promote Reese to OC and, you know, bring in maybe, um, you know, Mike, like bring back Mike Denbrock, who could be a tight end offensive line type of guy. I think those those types of offensive coordinators are very difficult to find. You want Mike Denbrock as offensive coordinator again? I, no, I'm saying yeah. Reese would be the OC, and then you bring in oh, Denbrock okay, okay. as a co-OC. Okay. Like, you couldn't. I don't think you're going to go out and, like, Joe Brady at LSU is a receivers coach. Those guys are super rare. Um, maybe maybe there is some guy at the end of – Well, Chip, Chip Long, I mean, that's, yeah, that's, that's very rare. rare. Yeah. That's yeah. really rare. That's, a tight end I mean, coach? I think that's the exception that proves the rule. It's yeah. hard to find that kind of guy. So uh, that sort of limits your inventory of guys you can go after yeah. if you're Brian Kelly. So I, I, just, I don't know how that's going to work. I don't either. I would like to see Tommy Reese, if he's co-OC, be more involved in game planning and, yeah. and have a dynamic play caller recruiter and come into the floor. Look, I just want to, that is, I just want to say that if if it ends up if it ends up being Tommy Reese, I, I'm just, I, I'm open minded about that. I know he's extremely young. I know he's extremely young, and I don't. And I think it's in totally I, totally in the best sense of this program that they go outside and find somebody else. But if he does choose Tommy Reese. I, I'm so, I'm going to be open-minded about that because I think he's an excellent quarterbacks coach. I think he was an excellent quarterback mind when he was a player. And I'm not convinced that he can't do it. The age, 
was he 27, 28? I mean, that's, that's concerning, but it's not like it hasn't happened in college football on a high level where a young coordinator has been really good. But let me Google they how go. old is Joe Brady right now because that's 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 what I want to know. Like he's got a, he's thirty years old. Find some if you can find somebody with an NFL background, which Reese actually does have, um, who has a very advanced understanding of the game. Then I think you can go with that. But I they they have to have somebody else with some outside experience to come in. I, 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 I agree. I, 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 I love, agree. Like I think Mike Denbrock is great and did a really good job at Notre Dame. But I would just like some new ideas in that room. You've had three years of tape of Chip Long's offense. You got you got to evolve. It's a new cycle here, um, so you got to push that forward with some new ideas. But I don't I don't know where Brian Kelly is going to find those. I don't either. But I I think he has to do a nationwide search as he proclaimed. I think you need new ideas to join what you have. What a good thing that you have. This is not we went eleven and two and scored this many points this year. This is we are taking the next step. That's what okay. That's what I need. This is what I loved about this week the most is there was the self awareness from Brian Kelly on Thursday before Tim and I were there, Priester and I were there before practice, when I asked him, What do you like what are you gonna see on Saturday that informs where you take this off season? And I, I asked the question thinking like, Well, if we win, it like really gives us a boost in the offseason. If we lose, you know, maybe it's you know, forces you to rethink some, you know, the way you're, you're training or your focus. And he went straight to, I got to find a guy as the OC or bring in the offensive staff who maximizes what we can do. And two, we have to figure out a way to elevate our recruiting. Because it, to me, that, that smacked of, a, I don't know, I'm not trying to say this to be cute, like a, a Weiss callback here, but that 11 and 2 is actually not good enough. And I think Notre Dame sometimes gets into a position where we won double digit games and our graduation rate is great and like sometimes it's like what else do you want? And I love to hear Brian Kelly say, no, this is what else we want. Like there's a lot of ground for this program to cover from where we are here to the top of the mountain. And that to me that was the the most interesting thing that came out of this week was was the head coach of Notre Dame football saying like yeah, it's great that we're here. Teams focus. They love playing each other. I get all that, but you didn't expect that answer when no, you asked I did that not. question. I didn't at all, uh, and I, I loved it. I mean, it was, re- it was one of the most interesting and insightful things that I thought he said all year. If you take his take him at face value, that would give me a lot of optimism if I was a Notre yeah. Dame fan. That Notre Notre Dame itself knows it's got a lot of work to do to get forward. And as soon as and I, with this staff and the way they develop players, if once you have that locked in, like once that self awareness clicks in, man, that that really, I think, gives you some some really interesting ground to cover if you're Notre Dame. You you can't be satisfied at eleven and two because I mean the reality is, and I'm not trying to take anything away from it, but you you hammered a bunch of pretty bad teams down the stretch. Now you could have played those teams and scuffled with them and won by. 12? Which or, I thought they know. would do to more than one. Like It only right. happened against Virginia right. Tech. And that was the human nature trap that we talked about in freaking August. That win or lose at Michigan, this game is not a good, great game to play. Yeah, and the, the, and Michigan, the Michigan loss was so devastating. Yeah. that. Yeah. And again, that th- that game turned on us. It, it should have been a, a two-touchdown lead at halftime. And, I mean, I know how I felt when I saw Divine Diablo running down the field, and you know there's no damn way anybody's going to catch him. Well, Chase is giving it a go, yeah, man. No, yeah, yeah, but he had, too, he had <laughs> yes. too far. He had too far to come. But um, yeah, you know, I mean, I just think I think that play was so devastating that it was you know it was difficult for them to come back in that in that game alone. But 
Um, you know, I think next year you don't know exactly how difficult the schedule is going to be, but it's going to be a better Louisville team. Clemson's coming to town. I keep forgetting they play Louisville again. You've got like every you, single time yeah. you bring it up. I've just forgotten. Uh, going to Pittsburgh, you know, Pat Narduzzi, you know that he can rise up and put together a good defensive game plan and 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 hurt Notre Dame. People will believe it when you say it right now because it just happened like <laughs> 13 months ago, so it's perfect. Right. right. Yeah, I mean, Wisconsin at Lambeau Field is obviously the main early test, and that's the one where if you win, you you hope you set yourself up for the total showdown with Clemson because you don't want to have a loss going to the Clemson yeah. game. That's I mean, it mutes it quite a bit. If you're on the feet of going to Clemson game, it's, it's, that is the all-time, that's the best home game since Florida State. Yeah, it's I mean, they, were, I they mean, were remarkable I, underdogs we, against USC. You know, that went we can only this hope is, for an undefeated against undefeated. Yeah. It would be, you know, it would be... Clemson may never lose. <laughs> I mean, I don't want to say it would be like Notre Dame-Miami, but it would it would kind of be approaching the old days of Notre Dame-Miami. I, I, uh, undefeated Clemson, undefeated Notre Dame. So we'll see. Mildly ahead of ourselves on that one. Yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. months. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, because because you're going to face an extremely physical Wisconsin team. But again, now as we look at this team and what they accomplished down the stretch and what you think they have coming back, anticipating that, uh, you know, look, I, I mean, Notre Dame fans are going to spend the next nine months dreaming of that stuff, and really they should. One, they should. This is really one of the great accomplishments of the season for how much it was defined by Michigan as it was happening six wins later yeah we're already like oh you know well not like wild if they did this or if they did that it's like they've got a lot coming back they've got a really sharp and smart coaching staff uh, they got a new level of self-awareness I think Brian Kelly's gonna have his contract extend extended probably in short order um, I think that's that's sort of the investments in recruiting and infrastructure that are going to be written into that um, it makes a lot of things seem possible for Notre Dame that on October 26th at Michigan, you're thinking, like, this is as good as it gets. It was um, as bad as it gets, too. Yeah, and that for was... Notre Dame to push back against that as thoroughly as they have, I'm impressed. And for those that were saying, well, it's just Iowa State, and you're not going to get any credit for it, and it won't mean anything, well, how do you feel now? You just you just hammered them. You finished with six losses. You're 11-2, and two, and most of your best players. Most of your players are coming back. You're losing some really enough good, really good players. Are yeah, back. you're losing yeah. some really really good players. Everybody knows that. But you know, you Tim, you and I were talking about oh well, you know, a couple of weeks it won't matter. Right now it doesn't matter. They went 11-2 and they beat the crap out of Iowa State and they won six in a row. Everybody's going to be optimistic from this point moving forward through August. And had they lost, nobody would be. So it's a big difference, uh, right? Absolutely, <laughs> literally no, no. one. <laughs> but it ne- but it was change. it never even came close to being that. So I I think I you know you, you try to. You try to think about okay, how are you going to feel if this happens or if this happens? Well, I think I think I think you turn the page already and say, you know yeah. what, Notre Dame is one of the best top, certainly top ten, yeah, and much yeah. and probably much higher than that team going into next year. You're here, and that and that and that's again expecting Ian Book to to make the call to come back to Notre Dame. And there's, I mean, really, what reason is there? I mean, there's just there. There's, yeah, there's, unlike Komet, no he doesn't have a reason to leave. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. I don't right. think Komet should leave either. Casey's listening. I don't know. If there's All right. Have we uh, have we covered this thoroughly enough? I, I think I think yes. for now I think for now we have. Um, My beer is getting warm over there. Yes, yeah, getting warm. And can I submit a fan question? In, Why were you guys so wrong all yeah. year? Why? Well, I, I, but I but I was told that I was wrong in the preseason when I said they'd lose to Georgia and Michigan. So. And then, I was just thinking, and then today I was really told I was wrong. Yeah. <laughs> At least you didn't pick up to lose. <laughs> I 
wasn't that I mean, they just needed a touchdown. At one point, I was looking at Iowa State, I was like, 31 to 20, 33 to 9. It wouldn't be that bad if they scored, right? <laughs> just give me a no, little closer once. There's it's no. true. But uh, Barkley wouldn't have it. My original, pre- my, my original prediction was 27-17, and I should have stayed with that. It would, it would at least been closer. And did I tell you the under was a lock? I told you the under was a lock. Done patting ourselves on the back right Thank now. you. There's no- <laughs> yes, definitely done patting ourselves on the back. Thanks for joining us. Uh, when, when are we doing a next podcast? We don't know. We'll let you know. <laughs> well, I'm kind of not Monday. That's why this is today. no, not yeah, yeah. D- not not Monday. That was the whole purpose of doing this. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Notre Dame ends on a real positive note. Indiana Dunes Tourism, located between Chicago and South Bend in Northwest Indiana, is a proud supporter of Irish Illustrated. Extend your Notre Dame visit with a trip to the nation's newest national park. Visit IndianaDunes.com.